0: Hello, I'm Pastor Daniel Flukey. Welcome to the sermon podcast from Christ the King and Living Hope Lutheran Churches. We are congregations of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located in Port Washington and Saukville, Wisconsin. We believe God's love is for you. Here's our message for this week The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 15th chapter.
1: Glory, Glory to, you, to you, O
0: Lord. Then Jesus called the crowd to him. And said to them, Listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? Jesus answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to Jesus, Explain this parable to us. And Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, "'Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us.' Jesus answered, "'I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel.' But she came and knelt before him, saying, "'Lord, help me.' He answered, "'It is not fair to take the children's food "'and throw it to the dogs.' She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Whom is God's mercy for? That may not be the burning question you wanted answered when you walked into church today. You may want answers to the tragedy in Maui. Or answers to the political crisis continuing to engulf our country as a former president is indicted for the fourth time while running to be president again. Or maybe you're worried about the increasing threats to the planet posed by climate change. Or maybe closer to home, you're worried about loved ones who are ill or unemployed. Maybe you're worried about your own struggles. So a question about who gets to receive God's mercy may not be uppermost in your heart or mind this morning. And yet, in my experience, the Holy Spirit has a way of speaking through the worship readings the exact message I need to hear on any given Sunday. So, if today's readings ask us to ponder who deserves to God's mercy, then, as Jesus just told the crowds in Matthew, we should listen and heed what he says and does. For he has good news to meet us where we live. So... Whom is God's mercy for? Well, the Sunday school answer is God's mercy is for everyone. If God made everyone and loves everyone, and if God sent Jesus to save the whole world, as John 3.16 tells us, then God's mercy, God's grace, compassion, and deliverance are for everyone. And today's readings from Isaiah and Romans back up that answer. As Israel returned to Jerusalem from exile in Babylon, Isaiah announced to them that everyone, not just Jews, would now be welcome in the temple that they would rebuild. Foreigners who wanted to worship God in word and deed would be welcome. And in Romans, Paul announces that Jesus had come into the world to graft into God's tree of life those branches of humanity previously unattached to it. Now Gentiles, which was everyone who hadn't been born a Jew, Gentiles could receive God's mercy and inclusion in God's family, courtesy of God's gracious love extended through Jesus. So both Isaiah and Paul announce that God wants to include all people whom God made within God's loving embrace. Israel may have been specially chosen to be God's people at first, but they had been chosen in order to light others' way to the God of all. Through their words and deeds, their worship, and their conduct, Israel was called to attract all people to live under God's life-giving rule. The world that had been one people at the beginning of creation would once more be one people, one holy communion. Now, we have our answer. Or do we? In his encounter with the Canaanite woman, Jesus himself seems to attack the idea that God's mercy is for everybody. I mean, doesn't he at first refuse to respond at all to the Canaanite woman who begs for mercy for her demon-possessed daughter? And when she presses him anyway, doesn't he say that his mission is only to gather in lost Jews because he's Israel's Messiah? And when she presses him again, Jesus calls her a dog. He uses the insult Jews hurled at Gentiles in general, and their historic enemies like the Canaanites in particular. So Jesus seems to come down hard on the side of saying that God's mercy is for Jews only, which means everybody in this sanctuary who doesn't have Jewish ancestry Is left out because we live in a church that is now mostly the descendants of Gentiles we don't realize that at the beginning it was a real question whether the church would include Gentiles stories like this one where Jesus himself declares he came to show God's mercy to Jews voice one side of that argument An argument backed up by scripture and centuries of Jewish practice. Isaiah may have announced to returning exiles that everybody was now welcome in God's temple, but when the temple was rebuilt, it didn't work out that way. Israel reinforced the old boundaries, the old rules that kept Jews, Jews, and Gentiles, Gentiles. God's mercy was not for everyone. So it's a bombshell when at the end of Matthew's gospel, the risen Jesus commissions his Jewish disciples to go and baptize all nations, which means Gentiles. It's a bombshell when God turns true blue Pharisee Paul from arresting heretical Jewish Christians to preaching the gospel to Gentiles. In the light of the resurrection, God's spirit makes clear that the old lines that included some and excluded others weren't going to be drawn anymore. So Jesus' epiphany in this scene, where he realizes that a Canaanite woman demonstrates in words and actions that she understands faith in Israel's God better than the Pharisees arguing with Jesus. Jesus' epiphany here is a preview of what God would make abundantly clear after Jesus was crucified outside Jerusalem's walls and raised from his burial in a stranger's grave. God's mercy in Jesus includes those formerly excluded from God's embrace. God's mercy is for everyone. What good news for us Gentile Christians. And what a sobering challenge. For throughout its history, the church often has not accepted this good news. We've just reversed who's in and who's out. By the time the Gospel of John was written, Gentile Christians were beginning to view Jews as the bad guys who all by themselves had killed Jesus. By the Middle Ages, Gentile Christians were murdering Jews, even though St. Paul himself had said that God still loved them even if they didn't yet believe that Jesus is the Messiah. By the 20th century, Gentile Christians in Germany carried out an extermination plan that they called the Final Solution. And in the last few years, those calling themselves white Christian nationalists have fanned the flames of anti-Jewish hatred in this country. As a result, 11 worshipers not too long ago were murdered in a Jewish synagogue in Pittsburgh. Others are slandered and threatened regularly online. And recently, Jews were attacked in Sussex in flyers anonymously distributed there. If that's not bad enough, white Christian nationalists also have attacked black, Asian, gay, and trans people. Even women are trashed as second-class citizens. For white Christian nationalists, not only is God's mercy not for Jews, but it's also not for anybody who isn't of white, straight, European descent. Like our ancestors, people of faith today can reject the good news that God's mercy is for everyone. We can be just as inclined to measure people by their skin color, their gender, their nationality, their citizenship status, or their sexual orientation. We can be just as inclined to ignore Paul's proclamation that there is no Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for in Christ we are one people. The good news is clear. The church's mission is to proclaim God's mercy for all and live that message in our words and deeds. And yet, we are inclined to shrink that mission or reject it outright. And yet, think of how different life would be if we received fully the good news of God's universal mercy with joy and thanksgiving. Think of how different our social and political climate would be if every American who confesses that Jesus is Lord took to heart their calling to proclaim God's universal mercy in their words and deeds. We'd speak and treat each other with respect and generosity, and we'd engage others on important issues with respect and generosity. We'd insist that our leaders treat others, especially their opponents, with respect and generosity. The slander and the lies that currently corrupt our public life would vanish. Think of how our life together would be set right if we showed vulnerable people mercy instead of kicking them off Medicaid because of paperwork errors instead of stringing concertina wire on the banks of the Rio Grande in order to cut them to ribbons. Think of how the earth would flourish if we showed mercy to our planet and its creatures, whose survival is inextricably linked with our own. Think of how our communities would be set right if Christians showered on everyone the mercy that we desire for our loved ones and ourselves. That cry, have mercy, then would be not only our prayer to Jesus, but our 24-7 practice toward others. Now, thankfully, in some ways, the church does share God's mercy widely. We can be thankful that our church's social statements proclaim that God's mercy is for all. If you don't know what's in those statements, I invite you to read them on the ELCA website. Our church tradition also has a long history of helping refugees and others struck down by disaster, health problems, or poverty. If you want to help the people of Maui, for example, you can contribute to Lutheran disaster response. I also commend you here, as I just read in your newsletter, for feeding homeless families. When Lutherans say, God's work are hands, we proclaim that God's mercy is ours to enact in real time with all people. And yet, we also need to ask for God's mercy on us, don't we? for all the times we haven't championed God's mercy for all, for all the times that we've reinforced the lines between people instead of erasing them, when we'd be afraid of the blowback we might receive from those who don't like this mercy-for-all business, when we've been uncomfortable with welcoming certain types of people we're not sure meet the criteria for receiving mercy. Because we are frail human beings, We followers of Jesus also need God's mercy to break us out of our tribal mindsets. And the good news is that God offers us mercy, too, in Christ. It's remarkable, isn't it, that Jesus critiques the Pharisees in today's story in Matthew, but then chooses Paul the Pharisee to proclaim the good news to Gentiles. Even the Pharisees weren't beyond God's reach in Christ. And if they weren't beyond the reach of God's mercy in Jesus, then we aren't either. Today, we can receive again the difficult good news of God's all-inclusive mercy and let it change our hearts We can receive that difficult news and let it change what comes out of our mouths. We can receive that difficult news and let it broaden our hospitality and our service. By the power of God's Spirit, we can let God's mercy more fully become our way of living with others, especially with people who are different than we are. God's mercy is for everyone, including us. So this week, I invite you to pray the Canaanite woman's prayer. If you're physically able to do so, pray it on your knees. Otherwise, Bow your head when you pray it, but somehow let your body show the humility expressed in her prayer. And then pray, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on those I love, but mercy on me too, because I also need that mercy. Have mercy on my narrow-mindedness and my hard-heartedness. Deliver me from my inclination to keep your mercy for me and mine instead of sharing it with all of your diverse children. Lead me to those who can open wider my heart and hands to being an agent of your boundary-breaking mercy. And when you do lead me, fill me with compassionate words and courageous actions that shower others with Jesus' healing mercy. Let it be so for you. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Living Hope and Christ the King, to ask for prayer, or to make a donation to support the work we are doing in Ozaki County, you can visit our websites at livinghopesockville.org or ctkport.org, or click the link in the show notes to find us online or on social media. May God bless you, and we hope you'll join us again soon.